0: Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self-Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we're talking with successful business owners to hear their stories of the journey to building their business. And because we know that success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we take time to recognize the folks that helped us to excel. Today, I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today. My guest is a competitive athlete in master track and field where he goes to about four to five meets a year. So we're gonna wanna hear a little bit more about that and check out his background with all those medals and medallions. Uh, In his downtime, he enjoys attending uh, his grandkids sporting events, reading nonfiction and playing trivia. And he's most proud of starting five companies without going bankrupt, which all of us business owners know is quite the accomplishment. Uh, So it is my pleasure to welcome Kurt To the show today. Hello, Kurt. Good morning, Tim. Hey, let's start with having you uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born, where you live, and a little bit about your family. All right, I appreciate that. Thanks
1: for having me on your podcast. Uh, I was born here in Indianapolis, but um, I've lived in other places like uh, New York City and Texas and a little bit in California. So, I can't work for other people. I'm not a very good employee. So I started my own companies. I started five. El Galco is the fifth one I started. Like it said in the bio, that's five companies. And I live in the same house and haven't gone bankrupt. So <laughs> I told my kids that once and they said, so... I said, "You wait until it's your turn, pal." And you learn what the terms jointly and severally mean on guarantee notes, and
0: I said, "You know, you'll
1: learn all that all that fun stuff." Yeah. I said, so, "So five startups, and um, the first one was in an area I was uh, IU School of Business." I said, "The first one was there, but the other four were had nothing to do with what I learned in college."
0: <laughs>
1: so it was just kind of one of those. A lot of it is serendipity. A lot of it is because you just keep your eyes and ears open and all that. So and a lot of folks ask, you know, why do I stay in Indiana in Indianapolis? Because the barriers to entry of starting a company here are incredibly low Hmm. compared to New York or California or Chicago, any place. I couldn't have done this startup when I'm on now if it was done any other place because this is – and there's always a lot of people around that contribute, you know, that want to invest 10,000 or 25,000, maybe 50,000. So it's good for that kind of environment as well. Awesome. Not very good when you need five or 10 million, but <laughs> right. it's really good when you start out. So. So tell us about your family. Well, there's five of the monsters, two boys and three girls. So I'm very happy that the, all three girls graduated from a big 10 university. Although one was Purdue, I'll uh, <clears throat> still, you know, I won't hold that against her because it's still a big (laughs) 10 college. So, but they're all grown uh, out of the house and there's three grands and hopefully more if I can get them to
0: keep the old man happy. (laughs) So uh, back, your background is pretty impressive. Tell us, tell us about your uh, track and field and still competing. And sounds like you, you do a number of different uh, sports in the track and field. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, uh,
1: I was never that talented, so when I went to North Central, and we had really good track teams there and played football and wrestled as well, but track was always kind of my favorite, so there were guys with a lot more talent than me, and so they were here, I was there, and then we're going downhill, and my goal was to go downhill slower than they go downhill, (laughs) so I figured by the time I'm in my 80s, it's going to cross over, and (laughs) then I might be good at it, so... (laughs) no but it's fun I, I do the decathlon is my best event mm-hmm. that's a two days you do 10 events because i have a little speed but i'm not as fast as the fastest and a little strength but not as strong as the strongest but i can still do all 10 events when wow. at my age doing all 10 is uh, that's kind of a miracle in and of itself yeah I can't so but all the kids that. were required to be in sports they all were required to swim because I figure once, if they're 19 years old on a party boat in the Ohio River and it sinks, <laughs> I want them to be able to swim the shore and save themselves. Right. So They all had to swim. And then, of course, they all like to play soccer and all that stuff. So, wonderful, an athletic family. And it's fun because it's, you know how it is when you start companies. They're very frustrating mm. most of the time, I guess, or a lot of the time. So, to go out on a track and, and put your spikes on and, you know, like we discussed, take the tennis balls off the walker and you know really get some speed going up it just it makes things feel makes you feel a lot better a lot more confident yeah. especially when you're negotiating something because sure. you have some fat lawyer there it's like okay <laughs> if i have to we can go outside on this <laughs> and this negotiate the price right but, um so it's it's fun and and uh i've been competing as a master for 24 years and as long as i'm still able to
0: physically do it i'll go ahead and keep uh, keep working out and Keep competing, I guess. Good for you. So, Kurt, is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? <clears throat> a funny story. My family likes to. Um,
1: well, there's lots of them. One was, and of course, all is embarrassing, but that's okay. My, I was my ex. One time, I used to run the mini marathon in my twenties and thirties. So one time my ex said, Well, I'm she wasn't a runner, but she trained for this. She goes, I'm gonna run the mini marathon. I said, Yeah, right. So this was in the old days when it ended at the 500 racetrack at the start stop line. Mm. So we take off at the start, I lose her. So you're coming around that fourth turn and you've got like, you know, maybe less than a mile to go. It's hot. You know, the winners are already on your third beer, and you know, you're still at the two hour mark. And I'll be darned if she's not ahead of me. And I thought, how did that happen? So of course you're in slow motion and yeah, I run up to her and I pat her rear end and I say, not today, honey. I looked at her. It wasn't my ex-wife.
0: Oh no.
1: (laughs) And I looked at her, she looked at me. I went, sorry. Now of course it's in the eighties. So you're really slow anyway. And you're trying to get away from her in slow motion (laughs) and she's trying to get away from you. You're not going to sprint the last mile after 12 miles so I finally I got away from her and then I told her that story and she said I don't believe it I think you just wanted to grab her rear end I said, oh, well she was kind of good looking but I was hallucinating so I'm not sure so yeah <laughs> we have
0: lots of stories like that that we <coughs> awesome. inadvertently do things <laughs> well thank you for sharing uh, Kurt tell us about it uh, how the business came about I know you've had multiple businesses that. Um, How did you get started? And at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? Well, the
1: first one, uh, I worked for Merrill Lynch and I really, really enjoyed it because that was back. And I started in September of 81 and in August of 82 when the market bottomed out at 7.76. And everyone's telling me, oh, what a bad market this is because it's at 29,000. I said, I was there when the 21% prime rate when you could buy AT&T bonds, you got 16% yields on there. The money market, Ready Asset Trust, was paying 13%. My first mortgage was 14.7%. So you guys have no idea what it was like <laughs> when you have high interest rates. Yeah. And now, it's, the 30-year mortgages are 63 It's like, oh, the sky's falling. So <laughs> I worked with Merrill and uh, did pretty well there. And then there was an old joke at Merrill Lynch that, that – um, <laughs> And every transaction, the broker makes money and Merrill Lynch makes money, and two out of three ain't bad. So that always bothered me. I thought, well, yeah, I'm making money and doing pretty well. And the customers are doing pretty well too, but not always. So I went ahead and wrote my own prospectus and started my first company that was a mutual fund. And we traded, we sold options as an opening transaction. Which I won't get into the complexities of it, but it was a nice way to generate cash. It was a conservative strategy as long as you stayed disciplined, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. It was fun, so I left there and started my own company because I wanted to make sure I got paid when the customers made money. So and it, then, so if you start at fifty thousand, the next quarter you're at sixty. Now, if you go under sixty, I didn't get paid, mm-hmm. and when above sixty, I got a percentage of it. Okay. And I thought that was a that was a very I thought a very fair way to. To work it so i started that company it went it went wild and then the new guy came into the sec and outlawed all the companies like mine because it was sharing profits with the customer mm. <laughs> i know well so in the interim i had done some i met a group city securities and i used i did leverage buyouts and so i was the youngster so i would go to do all the due diligence mm. which was kind of fun in her 20s <clears throat> so there was a company the ge owned that was in the power supply business. So I told the partner, I said, we, we ought to buy this one as a standalone and here's why. It's a marketing problem. They got all these engineers, all this. So we went ahead and went to New York for three days and negotiated the purchase of this company. And on third, we got home on Thursday. On Friday, I got a call from the partner said, the guy that was gonna run the company for us just had a heart attack and he'll survive, but he'll never work again. Ooh. So I drove up to Fort Wayne and there was like 23 professional staff. And I said, here's your options. You're at five o'clock in 23 minutes, you're all unemployed because general Le- Lecter doesn't love you anymore. Mm. I said, or I'll run the company, but you have to teach me about power supplies because that's what they made. Well, I didn't know what a power supply was. Sure. I said, so you'd you have to teach me what a power supply is, how they work, and all that. So the room was stone cold, quiet. And in the back, the guy that was the sales manager who became a good friend of mine holds up a power supply and goes, okay, this is a printed circuit board. These are (laughs) transistors, and you'll see the little stripes on there. So, everyone starts laughing. So, I had no intentions of ever getting the power supply business. I didn't know what it was, but that was kind of our option. And, of course, I would guaranteed a $1.3 million note to General Electric. So, I either renege on that or I didn't want to go through all that. So, I got in the power supply business backwards. (laughs) <laughs> and I ran that for five years, we were the fastest growing power supply company for three years, and I sold it to a group in Shenzhen, China, that I've been going to China since 1982. So we got along really well, and uh, my Chinese partners and I, so we started another power supply company up in north central Indiana for the recreational vehicle market. So ran that for a couple of years, sold that one, and then I had another one, and then after the fourth one, I promised my now ex-wife that I would never start another company again. Because <laughs> she hated them. She thought it was the worst thing in the world. I said, why? We have lived in the same house and no one's missed any meals. And what's the big deal? So, But she didn't like the uncertainty of a startup. You got it. <laughs> so the, the one I'm on now, the Algalco, was 17 years ago. I was at the state fairgrounds. And with the kids, we always got the picture at the manufacturers building whatever so we had all these pictures on t-shirts yeah so it was purdue day and i'm an iu guy <clears throat> but i said all right i want to hear purdue's has announced this new center for alternative energy so i said let's you know jelsky was a president and listened to his speech and up and introduced myself afterwards and said you know what kind of alternative energy are you guys going to do and they said wind solar and biodiesel well i had just been doing consulting work for a and i was at a place in columbus indiana where they do a fuel cell so i asked the engineers and you know how engineers are how's this work well this is really cool we put hydrogen in here and you get electricity and all this so i went when i was at the state fairgrounds i asked purdue i said well let me come up and give you my two cents worth mm. so i go up there and this old guy with a patch on his eye says i'm jerry what all i said, well, I'm kurt kaler what do you got for me kid so i explain it to him well <laughs> I didn't know at the time, but our first meeting, I called him a liar. He said he can make hydrogen on demand from aluminum water. I said, no, you don't lie to me. You Purdue engineers always lie to me. You run electricity one way, it cools, run electricity the other way, it heats. I said, there's no way that's, no, you got to have a big high pressure tank. He said, let me show you something sunny and does this this little demo for me. And in a lab accident, he had discovered a way to make hydrogen from aluminum water. And he had no idea the commercial applications. He didn't care. Yeah. Well, after calling him a liar, the first time I find out he has 81 issued patents, he's a National Medal Technology Laureate. There's a picture of him in his office with Bush putting the in the White House putting the big medal on him. <laughs> I thought, well, maybe he's not quite a liar. <laughs> <laughs> so we worked at Purdue. He gave me two of his PhD candidates, and uh, <clears throat> we won the lab, and all we had was a one page phase diagram, and that's how we started. Wow. So I Spent two years going to Purdue in my cream and crimson colored car. They wanted to make sure that they knew. <laughs> <laughs> we worked at Zucro Labs. which was way in the middle of nowhere by the airport. You know, they keep us away from all the regular people. Sure. <laughs> it's all the space stuff and gaseous, you know, dangerous gases. So we spent two years up there. Then we applied for patents. And lo and behold, the patents issued. And the technology worked. So then I spent... I spent uh, another four or five years with the military. We did four military applications because their issue is how to get energy to a Ford operating base mm. in Afghanistan because you know, they blow up trucks with 3,000 gallons of JPA fuel. Remember a couple of months ago, there was a truck on the interstate that blew up. That was same. that's what they did in Iraq and Afghanistan. They mm. blew up the terrorists and blew up the trucks. Sure. So here's a way to get energy in in the form of this aluminum, you know, put a round in it, nothing happens. Just add any kind of water, there's your hydrogen. So we did emergency portable generators. So then when they sequestered the budget, what, eight or nine years ago, then um, that didn't, you know, we, we had to, no more military spending on new technology. Hmm. So we looked around and thought, well, who else needs this? And they said, well, fleet vehicles have green fleet initiatives. So I thought we can do that. So we found a city that worked with us and, and, uh, you know, we did a prototype and a 2.0, 3.0, five. you know, sure. think how that progresses. Yeah. And now we've got a system on the city of fishers and it works and it was installed last Thursday. So now we're going to a couple more development projects to do. And then we'll, and then we'll either lease le- or license out the technology or sell the company. Wow. Yeah. Our, our job was to, develop it, characterize the alloy, make a product for sale that people want. Yeah, Because I don't have the money to scale this thing at the level where it needs to scale.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: So Very big exciting.
0: Player. Yeah, wow. <clears throat> so Kurt, share a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it even though maybe you thought you couldn't and the impact that person had on you.
1: <clears throat> uh, kind of in a weird way, my mother has a was an ultra conservative and when we go to lunch, or we, I try to take her to lunch at least once a week. to See her, uh-huh. and she would always, she'd always say things like, "Why in the world would you invest money in a company that doesn't make that doesn't make any money? I want <laughs> the cash in my hand. I why would you do all this time and effort to have a company that that doesn't make any money?" I said, "Mom, these are how all startups work. Is that you have to go through and look at Cummings." It took them 20 years before they made money. Mm. All these companies, Amazon, all of them, no one starts out making profit the first day. Sure. Well, that's the, who raised you? That's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> so that's, I call that the mom test. So you have to be able <laughs> to justify to yourself that your mother is going to say, I well, do you know, that's, because she, she's your <laughs> harshest critic in a way uh-huh. and also your big support. But it was pretty funny because she always, are you guys making money yet? No, we're still doing developing. <laughs> it now, when you can put money in my hand, and she never invested. Of course, I would never even ask her. <laughs> drive me crazy. <clears throat> but that was someone that you know that you always. The technical part works. Can I add water? Can I make this? Is it hydrogen? Does it? Does it burn? Sure. And yes, yeah, as long as I can know yes or had a basis that this thing worked, yeah. then I knew that I felt comfortable. So she didn't. Push me, like you know. Hey, get off your ass and get to work. But it was more like you better justify. Yeah. The most ultra conservative human in the history of the world. <laughs> Treasury bonds. I don't know. They sound pretty risky. Some of that,
0: so. I love but, it.
1: So yeah, he kind of provided the impetus of making sure you stay grounded, and
0: so you kept asking that question: How am I gonna? How are we gonna make money on this thing? Sure. Yeah. So you've had multiple experiences. What is your biggest learning as a business owner? <clears throat> Most
1: thing I learned, well, it usually takes three or four startups to figure the system out. Hmm. So I guess the biggest thing I learned is it's you are guaranteed you are going to screw up. There is <laughs> no way around it. Yeah. Do you think that you're going to hit it the first time out? That's a, a trillion to one odds against that happening. You're gonna make mistake after mistake. You're gonna do things that you're gonna look back and say, that was the dumbest thing I ever did in my life.
0: What was I thinking?
1: (laughs) It's going to happen. So some people, a lot of companies I've seen destroyed over the years because the egos get in the way. Mm. And that's we've had that situation here, which you know, so is everybody else. Sure. But it's the thing is, you're not gonna always be right. And not only are you not always gonna be right. You're going to be wrong 99% of the time. Mm. So just accept that you did the best you could at that point in time, learn from it and go to the next thing. You have to be like an NFL cornerback. Right? You know, they get burned three plays in a row, forget that cuz the fourth one is the pick, pick the six nightmare. and you know, you win. Yeah. So you're going to make mistakes at it. That's just So you accept that you don't like it because mm-hmm. it costs time and money, but you just know that that's hey, that's just the way it's going to be. You're not going to, you're so smart that you're never going to be wrong. You're out of your mind. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, being smarter probably works against you. You Because it's just like, well, I'm smart. And then you'll also notice that you'll get pressure from people that you would not want to have pressure from. Mm. Like a spouse that says... Why are you we going through this? We can't go on vacation this year. Why don't you go to work for Lily and make a nice salary and be home every night at 7.03 and eat dinner at 741 and, and watch television until nine o'clock and get up? <clears throat> that's no, that's not. You just, have, just be prepared for that. Because mm. but it's not gonna happen. I mean, it's gonna be up and it's gonna be down and and several times a day. And you're gonna, you know, those, don't don't even worry about those questions. You keep if it if there's technical some basis this thing works demand in the marketplace technical basis whatever yeah. then you know just you keep pushing on it's a lot of times it's gonna be just you for and sure. it's gonna be cold outside and you don't have much money to pay for heat and you are looking out your office window at the snow and it's like this is this is seven years in uh but
0: everybody else pushed through on their on their technology so you can if they can do it you can do it it reminds me of a, a cartoon that I saw once where uh, this person is digging underground, tunneling under the ground with a pick, and um, and then eventually turns around and walks out, gives up, and he's like this far away from this big pile of diamonds. <laughs> uh, if he had to just pick two or three more times, right, he would have hit the, the diamond pile, but he gave up and, and went back. And so the, what you're saying is, you know, don't give up, right? Keep going. Cause you, 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 you if you are persistent and consistent, you're eventually going to get to that, you know, some version of that, uh, that success.
1: Well, the African queen an old movie with, with uh, Catherine Hepburn and, and um, uh, Humphrey Bogart. And they're, uh, you know, they're on a boat in Africa they're trying to find this, in this big lake and he's in there pulling the boat through the weeds and all that. And he finally collapses, and then the camera goes up, and he's like <laughs> forty feet away from
0: the lake. So same yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. And I, I, I like I like the perspective you shared because um, a lot of folks can can have a a false belief that you know that this is easy or that it just happens overnight or right and that you know that that people just you know, automatically become successful. So I like what you shared hmm. in terms of it takes time and it takes persistence and and perseverance and, right, staying at it. And and eventually, right, the success will come, but it's not an overnight thing. Very true.
1: Everyone always sees, everyone loves you at the end result. Once you get the money wired into your account, it's like, <laughs> oh, you're wonderful. You're great. I said, where have you guys been the last 10 years? It took me to get this dumb thing to Yes. to a level where someone appreciates it yeah. so and then another thing i learned Tim, was that there was never it was never bill gates he had a partner paul allen mm. i mean it was never just stephen jobs he had partners wozniak yeah you know that's there's never anyone that does no one is so good they can do all the roles right so you'll find out really fast what your role is mm. so you know i know when it comes to computers and electronic stuff I absolutely suck because, (laughs) and I think I know why, because it's, it's inductive reasoning versus deductive reasoning. So if you can give me a big picture, like, okay, this is a, this is a binary system, zero and one. Yes, no switch on off. Okay. Now I understand the big picture, then I can put the information and figure it out. Yeah. If you go the other way around, like they do on computers, OK, you click onto this app and then you go down to the third scroll and you scroll over to this and then you go down to this. I'm like, stop. What are you doing? What are we doing? I mean, I, I just can't process it. So you learn really fast when you're an entrepreneur that what things you're good in and what things. Paperwork, absolute The world's worst. Kim <laughs> Morris, absolutely. The world's best. Yeah. She can't deal with people, but she's really good at the all the minutiae paperwork, this form, that form, which would drive me nuts. I would be on, curled up on a fetal position on the floor if I had to do that kind of stuff. But it. she's really good at that, and she likes that, and I like the other parts of it. So you'll notice that there, you'll always find whatever you're good in, you know, that there'll be other people that can, but no one does it by themselves. That's, that you know, the lone cowboy
0: on the range, you know, that no, that, uh, not on a startup, right. takes a lot of people. So uh, great segue. My my next question is that we know that business doesn't happen in isolation or business success doesn't happen in isolation. So tell us about one of your biggest challenges over the years and maybe uh, another business owner who came alongside you and helped you get through that. In this, in this startup in particular? Or no, it doesn't have to be this one. It can be any of your experiences. <clears throat> Let's say this one, the major problem has been
1: has been money which of course is everyone's problem sure but um, we have been turned down by just about everybody <laughs> I kept track once and I think we we're over 29 on grants wow. on <laughs> we had some really good but it was what we did is so radical it's so simple and yet so radical that well they'll apply for this this SBIR and this, this, well the problem is the banks, you're still going to go through what the bank says, okay? I mean, it's the same requirement. The banks have the same requirements if you just went in there for a loan.
0: Mm. You know,
1: well, you want a million dollars? Well, do you have ten million dollars in a treasury note that we can that we can take first claim against? So, which I've had a bank do. So we, you know, it's it's the state of Indiana has turned us down several times. Purdue hasn't; uh, they've turned us down. It's their technology. Yeah, but um, it's the financing has been very difficult. Or lack thereof, but it, we've always seemed to find a way to uh, to come around things and it, ma- it makes us I mean we're we're starving, but that's okay because we're used to starving, and it makes you have to hustle, right? Not a whole lot of fat. So that's been a big issue with this is because number one, it's really radical. You know, making hydrogen from aluminum and water—what <laughs> in the world? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's—and the reason I like this because this was September 2005 with my first trip to Purdue. And when he did the little demo for me, and I saw the the hydrogen come off, and it was during Katrina. And I remember watching it on television. All the people standing there with gas cans at the gas station—no oh, power. Right? Yeah. That people, there is no electricity to get the gasoline out of the ground into your tank. And I thought, well, if this thing really works, why we'll not use the flood water, make hydrogen, and then run an emergency portable generator? Right. There's no emissions because it's hydrogen. Yeah. You don't have to store it as like gasoline; it's just stored in an aluminum alloy. Yeah. So when I that vision just popped in my head, and I followed that for 17 years.
0: That's awesome.
1: So it's just one of those things that just kind of clicked. So when Edison said it's you know, 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. That was it. That was the 1% inspiration <laughs> was when he did that, it just clicked that, Hey, this is, so we did a mercy portable generators. That's the first, that was our proof of concept, like what, 12, 13 years ago. So we did that for the army. And, and uh so that was kind of them. It just, it all, it all
0: fell into place then. Yeah. That's awesome. So Kurt, um if I was to ask you to pick, Three people in your business owner journey that you're most grateful for being there uh, to help with your business growth. Who are they? Who are those three people and how'd they help you? Uh,
1: I would say my father's probably in the top three because he was an entrepreneur. Okay. And and, um, he taught me a lot, but I learned a whole lot more than he taught me. So he had bought, he was probably involved in. 40 different businesses. When we were kids, we lived downtown on East 10th Street, and then we moved into a big house. And after five years, we lost the house and lived in government section eight, government assisted housing for five years in an apartment. So you understood what the word risk means. Right. It's really interesting because there are four other entrepreneurs that I knew that we grew up in that apartment. We weren't friends, but we knew each other that are all started their own companies. There's something about that place that either made you a heroin addict or made you an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on how lucky you were, I guess. Right? So, And then he taught me stuff that, I mean, he used to have this Bonneville, Pontiac Bonneville car, this huge thing that got like 10 miles a gallon. I said, Dad, why don't you buy a Datsun B210 and get 30 miles a gallon? He says, you don't understand the system. He said, the faster you use up the gasoline, the the faster the price will go up and then you have other alternatives. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and when you're you know 10 12 years old you never think of that it's like well that's a pretty interesting thought sure yeah <laughs> so you know that's so i'd say that he's up there on the stuff that uh, you know you can you see what it took and how to do things and a lot of how not to do things yes he was a pound the desk kind of person and that's i never liked that <clears throat> i didn't like when it when it's applied to me when i was a kid i don't like that now i not i don't react very well to that yeah I'd say the second thing, the second person is probably Pete Carlino, who I've known since we were four years old. Because he's, he also is a Purdue guy, So, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but whenever, we can talk about anything. So there's issues on the girls front or family or the business or a recalcitrant board member or whatever it is. I can call him up and I can rant and rave and scream and yell at him. Yeah. And then he ran, raised and screamed and yells at me for whatever going on in his life. And as always, it's always nice to have a best friend. Yeah. Because, you know, there's lots of things that you really don't want to talk to people about. Sure. So I would say that's the two people that helped me the most. Um, there's a lot of other people in the third spot that I would say that were a royal pain in the keister. <laughs> but it worked out fine because that motivated you from the negative things. Sure, I mean there's this guy, in the state of Indiana, that drove me crazy because we tried to raise money through the through one of their funds. This was like 12 years ago, uh-huh. and he was you know was supposed to have an. They would send your idea, and then some expert will judge it. Okay. Who well, was an expert more than the guy that dis, that invented the pro discovered the process in the first place? <laughs> so they a scale of one to four. So we had a couple threes and a two. So I went back to him. I said, okay, girl, what now what? And he said, Well, if you do this and this, we'll get there and you'll get the money and you know a couple million, and that will that will be the seed money. Yeah. So he went and did all, and this is all the paperwork, which I hate anyway, and all the things. And he came back and <laughs> went, went to like a two, three twos. It's like how yeah. do we how do we go backwards? And he was such a pain that I just I would I just wanted to make this thing work, just so I could make this thing work, and <laughs> over what everyone well this won't work and here's why. We've had lots and lots of people that said oh well this will never work. There's nothing here that's pa- oh he told me there's nothing here that's patentable. Mm. So when I got my two issued patents, I said well obviously they disagree with you. Yeah, but you'll never have a product for sale. So then we didn't run. Right. So it was, there was probably 20 people like that were here that just motivate you from fine. We're just going to, all right, don't give me the 2.1 million. Give it to a company that went bankrupt. <clears throat> and I said, but we're, <laughs> we'll hang in there. And there's lots of people that still do that. Well, One, how you guys survived for seven, 17 years. I said, well, we did. Are you going to invest now or are you just going to keep telling me? what I can't do. And then we'll go out. Right? And
0: deal. <laughs> Good for you.
1: <laughs> so It just really made me angry because they didn't look at the science part. They didn't say, okay, so this, there really is something that works. Mm-hmm. And there really is a need in the marketplace, which, you know, I think people want an alternative to gasoline and their internal right. combustion engines. I think that's a pretty legitimate, but they just were, you know, well, we've always done it this way. Sure. So here's the process. And I and it said, you're working with entrepreneurs and you're telling me you get the status quo. I said, you're in the wrong field. Yeah. That's what an entrepreneur does is disrupt the status
0: quo. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I guess that's two people and a whole another group yeah. of people. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kurt, last question here. Um, Jim Rohn said that we become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So, as you think about that quote, what advice do you have for business owners who are trying to do it on their own? <clears throat> On your own, you're not going to be able
1: to do it on your own because you don't know everything. Hmm. You, you don't know the accounting. Well, I mean, maybe you're an accountant, but you, chances are you're not going to know the accounting. Yeah. Before I started any of my companies, a whole bunch more that I didn't start, I'd go see Peach and Schwartz and Weingart, see John Weingart. Well, Ed and Earl Peach and back in the old days, and they were alive. <clears throat> now, John Weingart's the principal. And I would sit down with John and say, okay, here's what I'm thinking. And I would lay out the idea. And then just see what he says. Because I mean the tax code is like this high, right? And it changes every year. I'm not gonna know all those changes. Right. And John would say, okay, here's the rule you have to follow. Here's the rule, but no one they're not gonna enforce it. Here's the gray area. Yeah. So here's what you want to do. And he would lay out whatever my idea was from a financial perspective. Okay. So that was I that was always something <clears throat> that he goes first. And then I have an attorney that I've known for. You know, 30 years or whatever. And so whenever I have an idea, he's the second person I go to. Mm-hmm. All right, Case, here's what we got. This, that, nah, nah, nah. he tells me how to legally, you know, here's what any idea he has, and I go to him and he tells me what the legal consequences are. Most entrepreneurs don't know the law that well. They don't know the accounting part of it. That's just absolute must have. <clears throat> and then you have to know your you know what you're good in and what you're not good at. Maybe you're a brilliant engineer. You're gonna need someone in marketing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Same thing if you're in marketing, you have to know someone engineering that can keep you no, you can't sell this because this doesn't work here or whatever it is. Right. <laughs> you have to you have to have your weaknesses. There's no way just on your own. Mm-hmm. I mean you know unless you're painting nails or something that's sure. like polishing shoes that you don't really need expertise. that most entrepreneurs have higher yeah. higher sets of expectations. Yeah. So just and don't be afraid to ask. People don't mind. You know, don't be shy about it because the, <laughs> the alternative is if you don't check these things out, if you don't talk to people and you just think that you know what all and do on your own, going through losing all your money, losing your house, that's not a fun thing to go through. No. So you will do <laughs> anything it takes. Once you lose your house once, you will go through do whatever it takes to avoid that. And that means if you're shy and don't want to know the accounting, talk to an accountant. Ask people around. That's one thing about Indianapolis. It's pretty good about that. If you, there's always entrepreneurs. I mean, everyone knows pretty much everybody else. You go to them and say, hey, I know we're in this different industries. But when you had this problem, you know, who did you talk to? How, I don't know anything about computers. Who do I talk to on computers that have a tracking system so I know when the trucks need to be filled up with the change of the alloy out." So you know, don't don't be afraid to to ask him why, and you are not going to know everything. Put your ego on. You got to have your ego to keep you going the bad times, but you also have to put it on hold at certain times and say, "No, if I don't know it, I'm going to ask." And I, if I look stupid, I don't care. Yeah,
0: yeah, because
1: it looks it's better than going through. You know, well, I'm sorry you have to move or repossession your house. So go live in your car somewhere. Yeah, that's yeah. not that's the what that's what you want to avoid.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that you gave a a number of different ways to be able to get help. So that could be outsourcing it by, you know, going to a CPA or an attorney or asking fellow, you know, entrepreneurs for, you know, just share their experiences or their advice. Um, and so, or it could be hiring somebody and, you know, bringing somebody in house who has that expertise. So um, for everyone listening, right, there's different ways that you can you know fill close the gap in terms of the, the things that you don't know and, and get that help and and guidance and direction. And I, I love what Kurt said very blunt, right? It's like you you either get the help you need or you you fail, right? And and have to, you know, hand in your house. So spend the extra money or the time to figure out your blind spots and, and get help from others so that you can avoid making mistakes of of having an ego that feels like you've got it all figured out so great advice kurt i love that i'm
1: so smart as the sheriff comes and kicks you out of your home so it's (laughs) (laughs) that's not not much fun i mean so 35 years in this house so that's that's always one of my things of pride is that no one went hungry they want kids on vacation they got to go to school to go wherever they want travel all those things and without losing the house that's yeah. So if all you have to do to avoid that is talk to someone, sure. Say, How do you do this accounting stuff? Yeah. What are the what are the what's an LLC? What's a what's an C corp? How do I, what's the smartest way to set this up? Yeah. So don't be afraid because a lot of people that don't know either. They're just afraid to ask. Yeah. But if you go through the alternative, then you figure out that's easier to ask than it is to
0: yes. suffer yeah. in silence. Yeah, and that that famous phrase that there's never a dumb question right there there really isn't in this world because there's hundreds of other business owners or entrepreneurs who had that question too and are more than happy to you know to share some of their experience and wisdom um, with you if you just have the you know the nerve to reach out and ask somebody so and the ceo is not supposed to know all the details
1: about everything right so if you're going there and say okay tell me what what do you got my engineers i do that to them all the time so that's, you know, I say, okay, so what, why are we doing this? Wasn't there Boyle's law that says you have to do this? And then they, they kind of get used to someone looking at that with another pair of eyes. And yeah, <clears throat> so, you know, you don't want to become an engineer, no. but uh, it, it helps to don't feel shy about asking. But whatever your, I don't, we don't do software a little bit, but, but um, we do more mechanical engineering. Right. But, uh, you know, I have no problem. You're paying for it You're paying them and you're paying for the parts. So you might as well see
0: what your what your money's getting. Absolutely. (laughs) So, Kurt, sounds like you've been uh, blessed with some incredible people who have helped you along your journey. If they were all here on the show today, what would you want to say to them?
1: All the people that helped. Well. One thing that I was two things that one thing bothered me and one thing I thought was always helped. You see a lot of times in the Wall Street Journal, because I always read the Weekend Edition. It takes me all week to read the whole thing. And they give away a lot of CEOs take, they have super voting rights stock. And then everybody else, all the plebs, get regular stock. I thought I would never invest in a company where the top guy has control of it through super voting rights. Mm. I want everyone to have the same stock. I mean, to me, that that just annoys me that this guy is... You know, I can't remember the guy that did the 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 space the living spaces the rented spaces mm. and he was worth billions of dollars because he's so brilliant. Well he screwed everybody else <laughs> by having the super bunny rights like 20 shares for every share he had, 20 votes. I thought that was that was just awful. Why would you do that to people? Yeah. Because I've always was a believer that <clears throat> everybody gets stuck. They either, you either work for it or you put up money. So I like the idea that everyone's pulling on the rope. And that, you know, to me, that was so Pete's got stock. Ken that does the, I mean, everyone that does on our board has put up cash and they all have common stock. There's only one class of stock. And you know, this that's how that's how they're motivated, that's how they're rewarded. Sure. So my goal was to make as many millionaires as I possibly can. I love it. (laughs) So you know that that was a way of saying thanks and then uh you know just you tell them that when they do a good job you tell them thank you and you appreciate it and when you make a mistake that's fine you tell them you made a mistake and hey i thought if we put this and the pressure would reduce well, i guess that's not right and then <laughs> when they make a mistake don't don't beat them up right i mean that's one thing and another thing i never like <clears throat> because you're you're always trying something new it's a startup Sure. So you're going to do new stuff and you're not going to be the only one that screws up. All your people are going to screw up too. Yeah. And to call people out, I've seen that happen before. And I never, if I was that person, I I would have a, a less than congenial reaction <laughs> being called out. You know, I, I remember once there was, I was doing work for some brokerage firm. And so this guy thought he was a pound the table kind of guy. And so there's one lady there. <clears throat> and her husband had literally dropped dead, had a heart attack in the office. Ooh. And so she was she was the wife and she was getting her series seven and trying to learn and all that. And before a group of 60 people, he's there bashing her. Well, how why haven't you made more calls? Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done this? And then he didn't know. And he just looked like a, a total ass. Right. <clears throat> Which is what he and I thought that is a classic example why you don't berate people. If you have a problem with it, you tell them you have a problem with it, but you don't sit there in front of a group setting. Yeah. So my engineer did something stupid here recently. <clears throat> he measured it put the mount this system on the truck and Fishers, and he put 18, he couldn't read his writing that was an, not 8 inches, it was 18 inches. So that cost us three days, mm. but I didn't say, all right, <laughs> I, mean, I, I know they don't teach you how to read in Purdue, but how come you couldn't read your number? <laughs> so I, but I didn't say anything. I just you know, said, oh, maybe you have it upside down." And kind of made a joke out of it, and he understood that, you know, and that was a thank you for not, yeah, you know because you aren't paying me to do mechanical engineering stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know that's but that's you're gonna screw up. They're guaranteed, and you're gonna not screw up a little bit. You're gonna do constantly. When you don't screw up is when, so our technology on this startup was totally unknown. Yeah. No one had any idea how all these catalysts work together. Nobody knew how much water, how much time, how much hydrogen. Right. All we had is one, one or two facts, and that's all we had. So you know that there's going to be no easy way around this, and you're just going to have to get down to the mud in the trenches and go on a, the back of the truck and test it every single day. <laughs> you know how awful, boring, and <laughs> tedious that is? But I didn't see any other volunteers and plus I don't charge anything. I just get the stock. yep, but that but it had to be done because <clears throat> it was just you know one of those things. but you all you're doing is every single each, each test was four to six hours, sure. plus tear down right? So you're in a garage all day long, recording data every five minutes, checking all the stuff, yeah for hour after hour. <laughs> but it was you know that's so just if you ever get, find a parameter that was like a huge celebration okay three tests in a row this doesn't work yeah good oh we found something okay let's try so at least we know and we have proven because i did the work that this little thing you can't do this way yeah and i mean (laughs) that's just for a lot of people they can't accept that especially in academia they can't be wrong they're doctors they have to know everything yeah (laughs) that's why
0: they're not good entrepreneurs most of the time But, yeah, that's just that's just the way it's going to be. Well, Kurt, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today, and I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, hopefully someone will take
1: here something and go, well, that doesn't make sense. But if you change it this way, then that's because all we're all the same, pretty much. Yes. You know, willing to take
0: risk and disrupt the status quo and see if it works. Fantastic. Well, to everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread the movement by liking the show and sharing it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to BeMadTogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward and I'll see you all next time. Take care. Thank you, Tim.